welcome back to Mutual Victory. Welcome back. This is Matt. This is Jeannie. I feel like I've said this before, but it's been a while. It's been an interesting few weeks. <laughs> the month of July, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I got COVID. You did. That was a major bummer. It was a harsh on our mellow. It was a very big uh, booby trap in the July plans that I had. It's such a weird word. It is. Well, I mean, are you a booby if you fall into it? Like I, a boob? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I just forget that that's the other definition of the word booby. <laughs> you boob. Yeah, boob. Yeah. So... That put a little bit of a damper on things. Things on top of things, and then the well, co- I lost my voice. The COVID break, COVID breaks slammed on them pretty hard. Yeah, it was very weird because I didn't anticipate losing my voice, and it wasn't. It was bad for like two days, and my voice was definitely weird for like a week and a half, and sometimes it even gets a little strange. So. That was the booby trap bummer, harshing of the mellow of now, July. As someone who didn't get COVID. Didn't. Here's what I learned. No. Yeah. This is, this is going to be Matt giving a public service announcement. Just, but hey, I'm going to give a disclaimer that do not follow his medical advice. You know what? <laughs> I don't know. It worked. So a while ago, I was talking about, I mean, this is two years ago. I like mm-hmm. posted. I'm like we've we've heard about all these turmeric and herbs and essential oils. I maintain there is a valid case for the healing properties of Montreal steak seasoning. Mm. So mm-hmm. that was a couple years ago. But with new variants, I think we should all in, investigate the healing properties of bourbon. <laughs> in addition to the Montreal steak seasoning. Mm-hmm. I've found in my experience mm-hmm. that having a light cloud of bourbon vapor mm. Mm. probably kept me Clear. from getting it from you. True. Yeah. Possibly true. It's possible. I think that there were some other things. This is probably a warning about like causation versus correlation. <laughs> correlation. I'm sure this is a lesson somewhere for right. that. It's definitely a lesson in causation but, you know, and correlation. You were sick and then for the first maybe 24 to 48 hours... I was testing negative, too. You were testing I was testing negative, and I had, like, weird symptoms, like allergy symptoms. Like, Mm. I was like, oh, I got hives. My throat was kind of itchy. Like, it felt like I'd have been exposed to an allergen, which Mm. my immune system used to do this when I was teaching high school. Yeah. And I had forgotten, because it has been so long since I've gotten sick, for one, like, randomly. Mm. And, um... And I used to get a weird allergic immune response where I would get hives when I had been exposed to something. And I had forgotten that this was kind of a pattern. Yeah. And then I remembered when it happened. And two days later, I tested positive for COVID. And I was like, oh, shit. I would say there's other things. We had that iodine nasal spray. We did. Um, that you were taking. I was. And I hate nasal spray. Uh, it's so weird. There was, of course, the like, you know, rando bourbon <laughs> layer <laughs> of of protection. And then also, I, and I mean, modern science medicine, <laughs> like you are also vaccinated, boosted, those kind of things. I'm not trying to lead people to believe that <laughs> it is an iodine nose spray and bourbon that kept you safe. Uh, and additionally, were you taking... Echinacea? Were you taking other? I can't remember because I was no. like, out uh, no, I don't think I was actually. You didn't take any of that stuff. No. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, we did some basic precautions of not sleeping in the same bed. Right. When I had active symptoms. Yes. And, but you were not like really wearing a mask around me. And I was sequestered to the bedroom. Yeah. I mean, you like I, drop off food deliveries. I, there were some days where I wore a mask. When you would come, like, in the bedroom and you bring me something. And mainly that was only because 10 days after you tested positive, we were going to drive to Iowa. Yeah. And it's like, if I wasn't sick three days after you, 
I couldn't get sick because then I would have gotten sick on the days I would have had to drive to the right. Midwest. Yeah, we had missed the threshold of you can get sick too. Yeah, no way, man. <laughs> Not driving to Iowa. Right. And you have magic blood. And I don't know if that's still being followed by like, you know, mm. people who are studying the patterns of COVID, but... um. Oh, negative, man. Oh, negative is... Uh, you got some magic blood I going do. on. I think sure. it was that and the bourbon combination. And Sahibi Kriya. Yep. Never yep. underestimate the power of Sahibi Kriya. Yeah. I'm diving into that pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> of all those variables... Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful little bouillabaisse uh-huh. of practices uh-huh. that I, uh, that I you know dabbled in mm-hmm. i think all of them in the right proportions is what did it i agree i agree so then on the other side of covid was a much more joyous event and just and a distraction from our podcast recording uh which was trip to iowa yeah um is this gonna lead into our topic it is okay do you have any bold declarations to make i do not have any bold declarations okay. to make I do. I think we made a bold declaration around how we prevented you from getting COVID, but no, yes. I don't have any fun. Bold Disclaimer. Um, I don't know how to better say that. Like Uh-oh. I'm totally kidding. Like, oh, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like go into a hot spot of the new variant mm. with a flask of bourbon on me and be like, I'm fine. Right. Well, because you don't have that level of hubris. Well, it's more Ignorance, of like, I also, arrogance. I just like, I come off as very dry. Mm. I most of my jokes are delivered with a hundred percent. Like, no, this is actually what I think and believe, and I'm being serious. Like, I right. know that. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. That was, that was a joke. Please wear a mask. Please wear. Please get a vaccine. Please, dear God. <laughs> Anywho, bold declarations. You don't have any today. Mm-mm. Do we have bold declaration music? Oh, we definitely do. We do. Um, okay, saying this now because I need some accountability. I want to write a book. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I think if I say it now uh-huh. in front of you. What are you going to write your book on? Um, well. Okay, let's start with nonfiction, fiction. Fiction. Genre? Horror. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I've like, have had the interest in kicking this like ideas around and mm-hmm. i'm like i just want to fucking do it like do it i remember a meme or somewhere or a tweet that's just like it was like a list of life lessons or whatever or like advice it's like write a book if you want to even if it sucks and just finish it and it could be like a thing you made i'm like you know i always like start doing it get distracted we get busy and it's like i tell myself i want to do this and i then it's just up to me to hold myself accountable and it's hard to carve out time and it's hard to dedicate time to do it. So if I say it to you in front of you in a microphone, then that's that's a certain level of accountability. It is. Both of our <laughs> listeners can be like, hey, how's it coming? How's it going? I'm like, oh, shit. Right? How's that book going? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. I love this because I've heard you talk about writing a book, the majority of our relationship. Really? And no, I've never heard... You just won't shut up about it. And I've seen no pages. That was his internal one dialogue, <laughs> not his wife's dialogue. Just FYI. Uh, I've never heard you name a genre mm. that specifically. Oh, really? Like, I've heard you say things like fantasy, fiction, mm. maybe true crime. Like, I've heard kind of that stuff, but not anything that's like <clears throat> horror fiction yeah gonna do it well like here's kind of some i'm gonna compare it to other stories that tickle my fancy basically hp lovecraft's call of cthulhu Mm -hmm. where it's like a cosmic horror or like this idea of like cults around the world Mm -hmm. trying to resurrect the ancient one kind of thing i love that and then an extension of that is the first season of true detective Mm -hmm. where i think that's ba- that was that whole like idea of like the cult and Carcosa was based on a different story, but I think it's got similar H.P. Lovecraft vibes, and I just love I love that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is, and like I 
thinking about writing it, setting it in present day is a, it, the first thought is like, how do you weave in COVID? Like, do you ignore it or do you like you address it? You know what I mean? And you could set it in a different time period and totally not have to worry about that. Um, and the idea of like cell phones, mm. <laughs> like, I, like I don't want to deal with that for some reason. So it's like, then you have to set it in the past if it's going to be like sort of in the, yeah, but not that far in the past. Right. But and then I'm thinking of what time periods, you know, are fun and cool to me. Right. And the twenties always come up. Mm. I don't know why exactly. Don't know why. Maybe it's, we do have a little bit of an obsession with the yeah, 20s. It seems yeah. very interesting. Not in need to glamorize it because like when we think of like the roaring 20s, we think of like the Great Gatsby and we're like, right. that is going on now. It's like all these like the Kardashians and celebrities mm-hmm. that are taking private jets to fly half an hour. Like that's Gatsby, yeah, basically. 100%. Um, so it makes me want to read more about like what was it like for soldiers coming home from World War One, like the the mobs and stuff like that, and all like the other like social history. Yep, would be really interesting to learn and have the setting. That's it's kind of and like other places in the world, or even just or that we would either do that or like keep it super super local, like mm-hmm. a town, and not like it's so grand like globe trotting kind right, of thing. Right, right. Well, you know. I think this is interesting, too, because I was thinking about this uh, when we were watching Stranger Things, Mm. because I'm like, these cutesy writers, they are too adorable. Like, they must, and maybe not. I mean, this is the story I told myself in my head. I'm like, did they just take their childhoods Mm. in the 70s and into the 80s, right? And infuse, like, what if these D&D campaigns that they right. played came true, mm. like, came to life right. in their small town, like, Nowheresville, USA. Like, and I was like, this is so brilliant. And mm. this is so cute because it's so simple. Right. Like, it is, it doesn't try to be... um yeah, I mean, doesn't you don't even necessarily have to like dig too far to get the characters, the bad guys, like they are present mm. in this other world. Right. And yeah. you know, starting that first season with the the group of boys playing D and D and the Demogorgons and da 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 da, and um, you know, I bet like we could play some of the board games that we have, mm-hmm. and you could get like so much creative well, ideas. And that's the thing; it's like. You know, you you write you either write what you know, or you it, it, the first what my attempt would just be to basically steal. Like I'm not going to pretend like this is something I would sell. I'm like just to get in the habit of doing it and to mm-hmm. finish it. Yeah. Before I really found something of my own, like yeah, I'm going to steal. Like we have the games, Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, right? All the Lovecraftian board games, and it's like you know they have the characters there's the detective there's like the the femme fatale characters and i think most of those games are set in a similar time and i love revisiting those games and those times and all those kind of characters and so i'm like, gonna i'm i'm just gonna interrupt the language around stealing though because i don't think like this is something this is a sticking point for me around creative inspiration mm. and anything that is rooted in ancient myth mm. like who was who owns this ancient myth mm. like who was the like definitely not the person who made the cthulhu board game that we play like right. they did not invent it either were they stealing no were they honoring were they inspired mm. and the way that i think about creative energy currency in that way is like you're not stealing you are catching a wave of inf- of inspiration mm. that comes in like this is a very vata thing to to call in. It's like you you're using the air, you're using the ether, using the space around you to tune in and connect to other people's creative flow as well. Mm. And nobody owns it. Like right. you can you can take that butterfly net and you can scoop it out of the inspiration space. And I think that Elizabeth Gilbert writes about this in Big Magic too. And um and I know that Brene Brown has talked about it where it's like you can catch that creative impulse mm. like you would in a net catching a butterfly or that butterfly isn't going to be caught by you and mm. it's going to be caught by somebody else. Right. So like it's, 
it's just being inspired by each other and honoring each other's work and taking it to that next level of creative space. It isn't stealing. Okay. Well then, and another big inspiration is Kevin Smith, honestly, because he's just like, you know, we did a whole episode where we talked about his movies, but also he's all, he's such a, I mean, I think I said this before where like his quote that I love is like, it costs nothing to encourage an artist. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was just a kid from New Jersey that made a movie about working in a convenience store mm-hmm. and it found an audience and people are like, I dig what you have to say. Right. So that's always like, you know what? And maybe no one is going to ever dig this and it's just going to be something fun that I do. Yeah. And I can have four novels published on my computer and it's like, I did that. Like I sat down and I did it and I finished it and then it was hard and it was also fun. And right. Yeah. It well, doesn't have to be anything. It could it just be it could just be there and it exists and that's all it can be. Or yeah. that's all it's gonna be. And that's gonna be awesome. But I have been like once I had this idea, I'm thinking about it, I'm like coming up with characters, I'm like, I'm just stealing from people I know. And then like I'm also listening to music. I'm like, this would be a cool like I'm gonna listen to this song when I write these characters in a fight scene. I already mm. know. I have three characters in my head <laughs> and a song I listen to, I'm like it would be fun if, like, what would this fight scene look like with these three people? So. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, like, finding the time is definitely tricky. I mean, I had to change. I changed my uh, wallpaper on my phone because I've been writing. I've been writing this book for a year. And I get into a flow of it. And then something happens. And it's so easy to give that time away to something else. And I think that this, the meme that I saved as my uh, wallpaper on my phone says something like, write like all of the women in history that were not allowed to write are standing next to you, <laughs> wondering a, what a laptop is and why you're wearing pajamas in the what, middle of the day. <laughs> what a great guilt trip you just made for I yourself. know. Are you sure you're not Catholic? I, you know, I might, I, what is it, microdose myself <laughs> in some Catholicism. <laughs> Just a healthy amount of Catholicism, microdosing, so that I micro keep myself dosing, on track. Microdosing guilt. Micro great. That's a title of something. <laughs> so that was it. That was my bold declaration that well, I wanted to. I love to, it. I, I, mean, wanted to, I wanted some accountability that wasn't just myself. I'm your cheerleader. All right. And I bet I can make you a flower potion that will help. Sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm, We're going to um, test it out. Placebo, placebo effect. Okay. We'll see if it works. I'm, I'm there. Okay. And what we're really here to talk about today. So what are we really here to talk about? What we're about? really here to talk about, uh, inspired by our recent adventures, is sibling relationships. Yeah, siblings. Siblings. That's basically the Because we have an interesting dynamic, as usual. <laughs> you, have a, you have a very traditional uh, sibling family scenario and setup in your life. Yeah, one younger sibling, one sister who's about five years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I have a very non-traditional sibling setup and relationship where I have yes. a step sister who I grew up with, you know, we were like three when we became step siblings or even younger. I don't really remember. <clears throat> and then I also have some, siblings that were really like I was out of the house when oh yeah when they were born like I already had children and my own family basically when yeah. one of them was you a, say was siblings born. I immediately go to Allie right and that's it I don't, yeah yeah because we didn't grow up in the same house so like even though we're sisters like in many ways I'm probably just like this old boring person that they're related to because <laughs> so much older than them and I have children that are their age so it's like I don't even think in their minds that they think of me as like the sister I might be like the aunt you know energetically speaking um but yeah so but we do have some notes to compare and some fun facts all right so you start go ahead with the what's your first bullet point what's your note I mean my first bullet point about siblings that's so remarkable is the secret language <laughs> that siblings speak. And I don't mean like the language that twins make up <laughs> that isn't English that they communicate with. Mm. I mean like being able to have 
a full conversation in just movie references alone. <laughs> and is this like something you've witnessed is what I'm saying. It, I'm it's, it's in both scenarios because my sister and I can do it too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of remarkable. Well, I mean, it's about, you know, the shared upbringing, mm-hmm. which is part of it. But I mean, that shared upbringing doesn't always have to lead to shared experiences or shared interests enough to like then be able just to communicate with you know right lines from a rando movie a cult movie you know cult classic from 1989 Mm -hmm. that is now kind of the bedrock of (laughs) communication tool Uh you know and it's often there's many times where i'm like god damn it where's my sister yep because no one else would get this joke or this reference exactly exactly I, I mean, and for my sister and I, the same thing, like, um, being able to communicate what we're feeling, thinking, or experiencing via pop culture, memes, references, and quotes from movies is, like, it's it, it's a level of bonding and intimacy that doesn't show up in a lot of places. Yeah. Like, even long-term friendships that you know, have been cultivated over the years. It's different when the spark of that happened in like your formative years. And I think that it also helps to create connection and bridges when there might be things like time, distance, being in different parts of life together. Like, you know, being in sibling relationship is like you can be in different chapters of your life, but then you can always come back to this common ground, this commonality, and it just kind of surpasses. Yeah. Uh, do you ha- <clears throat> have a list or know of like the main, one of the main things that you reference? Now I have a guess oh. that you reference. Okay. I'm going to guess the TV movie, the TV miniseries, it absolutely, <laughs> which like alarms me how much you watch that as oh children, my God, as children and neither of us can watch those kind of movies now. Really? Yeah, we cannot. Like, it's so scary. <laughs> Watching the new It was terrifying. And as, like, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, I don't even remember when that TV miniseries yeah, it came was, out. it was, like, late 80s, I think. And we recorded it because we had one oh, of those, yeah. you know, VHS. VHS. Yeah, you just recorded off you know, HBO we, or something. We recorded that miniseries and watched it over and over and over why did you keep returning to it? I have no idea. I don't know if it was like the children aspect. Like, right, the kind of Goonies where it's like right. the main characters and there's a whole big arc where they're children. Where they're children yeah. and they're kind of like outcasts, like they don't fit in. Mm. We love that shit. 1990, by the way. Wow. Okay. So we were, I was nine. <laughs> Allie might have been nine at that point, might have been still eight. Depends on when it came out in 1990. I know. Like, the adults were like, definitely, you can watch this. Well, uh, it wasn't on, like, cable. Like, was it on HBO or something? Or was it like... I mean, my grandparents had every damn channel. Right. But I I don't know if it was one of those things where it was just like one night a week or like, you know, a couple nights a week. It was a two-part. It was just a two-part series. Two parts to like one night Mm -hmm. for two weeks on ABC or something, yep. you know, I don't know. I have no recollection. And so it was a very long. It was very long. It was very long. Yeah. And we, we watched it. We still reference it. Like all I have to do is, you know, beep, beep, beep Richie. Beep, beep, Richie. He thrusts his fists against the posts and still insists he sees the ghosts. Like, like ridiculous, ridiculous. It was, <laughs> My grandmother actually loved that I watched this movie because it made me want to learn how to play piano so I could play that scary ass piano song. And I had to learn it on the wow. piano because it, inspiration comes weird from the shit. weirdest places. Scooped that inspiration right up. That's hilarious. <clears throat> and your sister and you, I mean, that's the kind of like the heavy movie reference. The other one would be Wayne's World. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. You guys, well, you guys were closer in age. Yeah. Oh, I mean, age. four months. Yeah. Younger than, okay. Allie is four months younger than me. So like early stuff like that, 
Like I remember what like first time I saw Wayne's World. I mean when that was like ninety one. Right. It wouldn't have landed. I was for like her. eleven or twelve and she was like seven or eight or mm-hmm. something. So it's like that doesn't go as far back. Um so what would you think one of our main references? Predator. Yeah. Happens. The burbs. That was what I wrote down too, the burbs. Yep. <laughs> Predator. All right, I just have to say that when we were there this week, um, it was the last night we were there. We went out to yes. eat. We went to we all went to Viva, had some Mexican food, and then Predator kept coming up. And we we had not had a night. I mean, this is summer, so it's not less likely to happen. We're like, we're all gonna watch a movie together inside. A lot of times we're like hanging out outside and there's a fire or we got games on the picnic table or something because mm-hmm. it's nicer. But Predator kept coming up and like I definitely like and like we're gonna watch this tonight. We're gonna do it. And we watched like two thirds of it because we're old and tired. But that was like so like flashbacky fun of just like sitting around and riffing on this movie. Mm-hmm. And here is a, I mean, other than like we've all seen it mostly. I mean, probably not as much as you. Like we saw it way more than you did. Oh yeah, the movie right. So like we know the parts that are coming up. We know all the lines and stuff like that. So that's fun regardless. And here's something else that I just I'm just dawning on. I don't know what it is, but we have all figured out our own means and pace to riff a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost like the guys from Riff Tracks or Mystery Mystery Science Theater 3000 were like, they know the beats, they know the lines, they know the time when to interject with a joke or a reference or say something. And it doesn't carry over someone's lines in the movie right it doesn't like, take away from the movie yeah we've just worked out that rhythm uh-huh. and like i that's the rhythm we have the same rhythm so like yes. we know when to make the jokes we know when to say the funny things we know all that stuff and i remember having this thought now i remember watching a movie with the children mm-hmm. i'm like someone started saying something at an appropriate time but they just kept talking yeah and i'm like there's been four lines while your little monologue is going on and we're missing some things. Like we got to tighten this up, tighten up guys, tighten Hang up your jokes. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's experience. Cause that was years and years ago. I think it's experience. I think it's also like familiarity with the movie. Also true. Too. Right. You know, like, um, which that movie holds up. Movie's awesome. Predator. Yeah. It uh. is so good. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You know what? Uh, you know what my thought was when we were watching the movie Predator. Ooh, yeah, what was first of all? How old were you, children, when you were watching this movie? I think the movie is eighty-eight or eighty-nine. Because your parents are way over in the. We actually pay attention. We might have been a part of the uh, petition signers that needed to get movies rated so that children were not exposed to inappropriate lyrics in music or movies. Fun fact, what was the movie that kind of started the idea of ra- oh, actually no ratings. There was uh, back like back then until a certain time it was G, PG and then R. Right. Do you know what movie helped spawn the PG-13 rating? I remember talking about this, and it's I don't remember. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Yes. I remember watching them. I'm like, this is PG? Jesus. Like, you literally see a dude get his heart ripped out. Heart ripped yeah. out. And Spielberg was like, shouldn't there be something between these two? Mm. Do you know what the first movie to be rated PG-13? No. Red Dawn. That would be why I do not know that. I don't Wolverines. know if I've ever seen that movie. <gasps> Ooh, we should watch it. Mm. It's what Patrick Swayze. Oh. Wonderful, cheesy 80s glory. You can get me to watch anything with Patrick yeah. Swayze in it. Predator 87. And we but didn't... did you guys watch it in 87? Because no. your sister was like... Two? Two. <laughs> no, we, this is definitely like it's on TV. Okay. And it's on... Oh, uh, it was on TV. Yeah, but like HBO, it wasn't super heavily edited. This is like we recorded it. They say the P word at least twice, maybe four times. Twice? They say it twice in 20 seconds. No, they say it twice in five seconds. I was like, okay, you no longer get to give me shit about (laughs) forgetting some of the inappropriate things that are in movies that came from our childhood because 
I was like, we. I watched this when I was young. We should sit down and watch this as a family. Heathers. Heathers. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I don't remember. You know, because sometimes when you're a kid, if you don't understand something oh, or yeah. you don't know what it means, it just like sure. goes right over your head and you yep. have no idea. And that definitely happened with the movie Heathers. But, you know, they're saying pussy left and right in Predator. And okay. I was like, there's no way that Jim and Ellen O'Neill... We're like, yes, our children should be watching a movie where the word pussy is thrown around so, willy-nilly. You're right. Now, however, this has anyone not seen this movie that's watching this? That's Maybe. This? And the, the, <laughs> the word is used in context. Like, it's not just thrown around. It's like used. It's only used with like as a guy tells another guy a joke. And it is specifically about vagina. Yes. Yes. He makes the joke in the beginning of the movie. The guy he's telling the joke to doesn't get it. He tells a the different joke, a different joke, and then the guy gets it. Mm. Which then has an, it's important for the plot because <laughs> listen, because then the guy that hears the joke, Billy, he laughs out loud. Uh-huh. The predator hears it and records his laugh to like use to like later in the movie. Like it wasn't wasted. <laughs> See, this movie's tight. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So, but also. The overall theme in like choosing movies, I think, I don't know, maybe it may have been Mrs. P or my mom who said something in Blockbuster to date ourselves, picking up a movie to have the children watch. Yes. It's like, oh, this movie is, this just movie is rated R. Oh, it's only for violence. That's fine. We can get it. Okay. Yeah. Violence R was fine. for violence, totally fine. Violence, okay. To a certain age. Like if we were 10... Probably not. By the time we hit 12 or 13, R-rated movie for only violence was like, all right. Okay, but you were 13. Your sister was eight. She had to grow up faster, I guess. I don't know. So, rated R for violence, okay. Yes. Rated R for sexual content. Not as okay. Not as okay. (laughs) I didn't make the rules. I just uh, I want to say that in my household growing up, Mm. the... Inverse would have been true. Right. That's true. R for sexual content, totally fine. Yeah. Completely natural thing that human beings do. R for violence, this is too violent. Like, I remember wanting to watch Terminator so badly Mm. and my mother being like, "Mm, no. And I I basically had to be like, Nana, (laughs) (laughs) mom won't let me watch this movie. And she's like, well, you know, let's undermine your mother. Because that's what my grandmother was really good at doing. And uh, I got to watch Terminator. But so, again. First one? Or T2? Terminator 2. That movie's so good. It's so good. I could just watch that movie over and over and over. movies that hold up. And over and over. It is so good. And, And yeah, it's super violent. Super violent. Yeah. Super violent. You know what? Lots of guns. Yeah, but you know what? To be fair about the guns... Most of the gunshots that are shot and hit their targets are robots. Right. Right. You know, so like there's not a whole lot of like 80s blood splatter going on. There's not. Right. A lot of that. Even like the scene where Arnold has that big ass minigun and he's in the upper floor of that building and it's just like spraying where all the cops are. Mm -hmm. He even like they make a note to be like, because John Connor's like, you can't kill anyone. And he's like, "Ah, fine. And then like the movie makes a point of noting that the casualties were zero. Like, he didn't actually shoot any people. He's just, like, spraying all the cars, making sure they cover and can't fight back or fire back and stuff like that. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot. Well, and I did eventually convince my mother that she could watch Terminator because, one, there was that, like, we don't kill anybody kind of, like, undertone or like the main one of the main characters is like it's bad to kill people it's killing people is bad why and uh and also that linda Linda hamilton Hamilton is hot so like a convinced mom (laughs) i'm like you're gonna want to watch linda hamilton mom yeah she She kicks a lot of ass okay in those movies and there's a lot of ass kicking so again differences in how we grew up hilarious and uh and yet the similarities of having sibling connection based in pop, pop culture. And when, so it sounds like you and your sibling were like mostly always friends. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I was definitely probably a bitchy asshole to her at times. <laughs> which I like, apologize not, for so often. I mean, yeah, there was that type of sibling nonsense, but it also seems like fairly early on you guys clicked and hung out and enjoyed hanging out. Right. Almost because, like you would kind of like cousins. Because we saw each other only on the weekends. Yeah. And um in our respective separate houses, we were only children. Mm. Uh-huh. So like yeah. it was like the best of both worlds because we got to like have our own bedrooms, like, you know, do our own <laughs> yeah. thing. We also never went to the same school. Oh, yeah. So like but then we would come together and we would hang out on the weekends when our parents were still together, which actually wasn't that long of a period of time when I look back on it. Like it was only like four years, four or five years, okay. maybe. Um, once they were not together anymore, my grandmother, my mother's mother was mm. like, you don't divorce children. Mm. So we still got together at my grandmother's house, like, and she would come over for all the holidays, all the events, all, you know, the things. And sometimes I would go over and stay with her at her mom's house too. Um, but it was, you know, like we still stayed in, in contact and it was like, we're friends and we're siblings, but without that like 24 seven sibling level of like, Mm. get out of my room, stop touching (laughs) my shit. Like, you know, I mean, I was, when we played dress up, I definitely was like, I get the prettiest dressed, but that was just because I was a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was, Colleen and I, we were only in school together in like grade school. Like if I was, when I was in eighth grade. Yeah, because she still would have been in elementary school. Third grade. Yeah. And then by the time I was out of high school, there was still a whole year before she went to high school. school. So like, yeah, Yeah. I was out of, out of, out of high school and she was in like eighth grade. Mm -hmm. It's like we never had that high school be like going to school with your sibling in right. high school, which I've witnessed from other friends and as a teacher and with a double-edged sword. It was both kind of yep. cool and it could be yep. kind of rough. Um, Do you think that our kids have like a movie? That they like quote to each other or reference? Yeah. I want to say yes. What would it be? I mean, I like know. beyond, you know, the kind of nerdy stuff that we all watch together That's a good question i definitely or like think, marvel things i think there is and stuff because i hear them talking about like movies right it's like oh remember seeing this and then this that predate like mcu kind of like them as a little older mm-hmm. like it sounds like it came from when they were younger oh, maybe it'll come to me it needs to surface okay because like I, I can hear and remember conversations like that Mm-hmm. But I don't remember them right now. Okay. Um, yeah. It wasn't I mean, like we didn't, my sister and I didn't, yeah, probably. I mean, I'm not the authority to talk about this, but like there's probably lots of typical sibling awfulness mm. towards each other. Probably most likely me going down because I was older and she was younger. But it was like when I graduated college and she was still in high school. That's when we like were friends and like started hanging out and doing right. shit together, like going to concerts and movies. And it's like, oh, you're home, cool. Let's go to the movie. Let's go hang out. And yeah, there was way more just of that kind of hanging out mm-hmm. um, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we were always friends, and um, and again, like our lives took such different mm. paths. And, you know, I had children young, she is just now having small children and like, and, and none of that stuff really mattered in the context of like, we always had these, we still have these references, these Mm. ways of coming together. I mean, I remember when she was, um, I don't, I can't remember if she, it was when she was pregnant or if when she was recovering from hip surgery, um, we watched, like, we got together and we watched a movie from our mm. childhood, uh, The Watcher in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Which is allegedly the scariest Disney movie of all time. And again, it's like, what the fuck were we watching as children? <laughs> like, apparently we needed to be extraordinarily scared at all times. And um, yeah, what is it? you don't even really like horror and films And neither of us do. That's weird. 
So we rewatched Watcher in the Woods. We were like, this is terrifying. Which is now in our this Halloween so rotation. That's it's in, so every good. Every October that, that, that makes its way. It's so good. And it's good. what were we thinking? It's, it's so scary. It's very dated with like the clothes uh, and everything. Uh, so that's part of the fun. Uh, although all those clothes are coming back now. so Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. It's it? like they could have taken that wardrobe and just shifted it over to Stranger Things, and then that's what everybody wants to wear yeah. now. It, it didn't look good then, though. It doesn't look good now. No, whatever. Nope. It always blows my mind how, like, siblings can be so different. Yes. Like, you guys are from the same people. Right. It's like you're right? so wildly different. And the same people, like, I, I even had this realization very young in life watching my mother and her siblings. Because oh. there were five of them. Good God. And it's like, you all grew up in the same house, had the same parents, and you, like, there's so many differences. It's yeah. so fascinating. So wild to me. In what ways do you think that you and your sister are the most different? It's some, it's hard to reflect on sometimes because, like, we, when we get together, it's like, I don't know, we don't, it's like, it's so easy to just get in a, a place of like hanging out and right. good times right. and happy to see each other. Yeah. Um, so lately that's what I like remember focus on mm-hmm. and I don't quite always remember or pay attention to or notice a lot of the subtle differences. So maybe you as someone who's an observer mm. can pick it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe one big one that I think even started when we were younger is like, I think I tended to be the more laid back Right. One. Right. And I'm not using the word high strung as like a negative. You know well, I wouldn't I mean? describe like, I wouldn't nervous? describe your no. sister as high strung at no. all. <laughs> hey Carl, how's it going? How's it going, Carl? We're just talking about you like you're not here. I mean she's not here and she's here. Uh but we're it now. I would say that I would say that um there, your sister has way more fire than you do. Oh, yeah. Let's go over to the dosha. That's your sister has way. way more fire okay. than you do. Yes. Yeah. And, right. um, you know, and in a lot of ways, like her drive and ambition and motivation all comes from that fire. And so it isn't like high strung, like actually high strung, I think is a much more airy mm adjective yes. and and she isn't that You're right there is just a very clear directive there's a direction and mm. you know moving forward in most situations particularly ones that she mm. cares the most about yep. um and and it's very balanced fire too like i i don't i wouldn't identify uh call as somebody as colleen as somebody who has dense fire intense fire um which you know, we get a lot of these Ayurvedic traits from our parents. <laughs> and, um, whereas your mom, it's not that she is high strung either, but her her motivation and energy does tend to come from worry. So mm. she has more of that vata space mm. air. And some of that also is just with age mm. too. Um, and you have more earth and water. So of course it's going to, like you're going to come off, you're going to come across as being the more like chill um, and yet there are some things that you're just not chill about. So, you know, really, I mean, I shouldn't uh, now. I, yeah. Do you want me to go bend my computer cord again underneath oh, my computer? Like God. I did like 25 minutes ago. All right. Fair. That is a great <laughs> example. And I'm makes perfect sense. Yeah. You, yeah. That was just ridiculous. It, mm, Cause mm. you don't have, your computer doesn't have the charges on both sides. Right. So I had to go in one side and like go around your computer to the outlet, but you decided to like fold the end of your cord in half, like make a crease in it and then have it go under your computer, which I'm like, why are we doing this? Right. And all, and, and the fire rose up and the like, this is insanity. insanity. I have to fix this immediately. Yeah, and we all have our things that are, that are going to like, you know, spark Ugh. that fire, that more intense fire. But I would say that that's a big difference mm. is, you know, in that way, you definitely tend to follow in your mom's energetic footsteps of like, you know, eh, <laughs> eh, eh, whatever, you know. And I would, I, I think I've maybe only seen it one or two times, like 
I can, I can see where your mom's fire will get sparked too. Mm. And, and you air in that. Whereas Colleen airs more on the side of intensity that I would imagine that a younger version of your dad mm. had when he was being driven or intense about something. Yeah. And his might have gone to a more like dense fireplace than a subtle fireplace. Mm. And yeah. you know, when I see Call anyway, like, I don't know, like, we only see certain parts of people, right. certain sides of people. She's not flying off the handle. No. There's just a directive. Yeah. There's, there's that. Yeah. So I would say that that's where you're different. And it's pretty easy to see where those apples fell from. <laughs> see the branches <laughs> they fell from. I can see them. I know exactly where they were hanging before. Um, you know, from an observer, from an observer perspective. Yeah, that is interesting. I like that you brought up Dosha. What about Enneagram? I'm a one and she's a five. Six. She's a six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, and sixes just have, like, there's so much mental fire going on anyway. Yeah. So, like, if if the mind isn't being directed in a particular area, it can get a little floofy. It can get a little intense. It could get spacey. It kind of depends on how it's, you know, or like worried. And, you know, I don't notice that with Colleen either. Like mm. her. Um, yeah, I would say Her that. worries, which every human being has, obviously, regardless of Enneagram, she tends to move towards action rather than inertia and like spinning. Mm. Yeah. Which is great. It's healthy. It's balanced. Yeah. You know. Um, and for you being a one that gets internalized and just put it in the pit of your stomach. Yeah. We call that the pit of despair. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I would prefer to not think that my husband has a pit of despair in the center of him. Did you see what I ate last night? (sighs) (laughs) I mean, in this way, you two are very much the same because I've watched you both be able to eat things that would just wreck my internal. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm so jealous. I'm going to be reincarnated one of these times with this stomach that can handle prosciutto and cheese mm. like nobody's business. Well, I went easy on the cheese. So I didn't, I didn't like, I, I know myself. So hit the, hit the cheese breaks. <laughs> we should also reference that, uh, when we brought up the term like weeks or months ago mm-hmm. of the first pancake. Yes. Like this is like what that's about. I think this episode should be called siblings or ordinal pancakes. Ordinal pancakes. Yeah. Ordinal pancakes is an important aspect to look at yeah. when, you know, we're cultivating compassion for how people be in the world. Yeah. Or when you watch <laughs> the older one get annoyed at what the younger one gets mm-hmm. way before they did. Mm-hmm. I even remember saying something like this at one point. I don't know the scenario or the situation, but I even know I said something like, hey, man, you're number three, so you get this way earlier. Yep. That's how it is. You get, yep, absolutely. And you know what? And you're also a more well-shaped pancake. You're what? You are golden on both sides. Both sides are golden. (laughs) It's even sort of a circle, you know? What I do think is funny, and I had this realization when we were out visiting your family, Interestingly, our sisters mm-hmm. are very similar. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And they I don't mean, know each other very they well. They don't. Probably not a, it's no If mystery. at all, because I think they only met at our wedding. Right. So maybe they met, but that's. That that's it. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So not surprised why I love hanging out with Allie. Right. And why I love hanging out with Carl. Yeah. It's like, um. They are both sixes. This is what triggered oh, my go. memory. They're okay. both sixes on the Enneagram. Um, they're both very fiery. They have all that pitta mm. going on. They both run a lot. They both run yeah. a lot, love running. Um, their sense of humor is sarcastic, yep. dry, yeah. uh, no like holding back. It's absolutely amazing. It's so much fun to... You know, because it's when you think about it in in the best case scenarios, and I know this isn't the the story that everybody has with siblings, but in the best case scenario, at some point in your life, if you're lucky enough, 
one of your siblings ends up being truly one of your best friends. Yeah. And your longest friend. Right. And so, like, get, like first of all, I get to see the relationship that you and Colleen have and totally know what that feels like and appreciate that, um, you know, you have this common ground, this common language that you get to speak. Um, you can have, like, deep conversations at like this humorous inappropriately sometimes humorous <laughs> level uh, about what's going on or or what you know your experiences children were you know like Allie and I will sit down and we're like oh ha 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 childhood trauma <laughs> it's like let's just make a joke about this um and and yeah you just it, you can go weeks without even like talking texting whatever mm. and it's like no time has passed you pick up right where, where you left off there isn't like a story about it or like oh you know my right. brother didn't text me back like it's just like hey what's going on life is lifing and I'm you know here's get, a funny fucking meme i'm terrible at texting everyone back you are really am. very Every bad at texting. single person it's not personal and i'm sorry He's bad at texting. I am. I really do feel bad when I think do, about it. Do you it, tell feel... people this when you give them your phone number? Who the hell have I given my phone number to in the past five years? <laughs> Here's my phone number. By the way, there's a 50-50 chance to hear from me. <laughs> I try to tell people when I find out that they might text you. I'm like, he's bad at this. Just no, it's not personal. <laughs> don't mind him. A he's... lot of times I don't get texts back. So... Don't mind him. He's a moron. I'm like, did you read this? Did you hear me? Do you know what I'm asking you? Are you going to come back with garbage bags? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yes, that is every time we visit or every time there is a visit, I I never not look forward to it. Always look forward to it because it's just so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy no matter what we're going to be doing, no matter what's going on. There's just like it's so easy to slip into best friends mode like there's no story about like anything it's just like hey glad to reconnect and reunite right no matter what's going on it's always it's always a blast and i also have the thought of like oh man you know when we lived even three and a half four hours away when i would see my sister it was so few and far between that it's like a visit like it was like concentrated yeah and I was kind of like, it's just so ironic. On one hand, I was thinking like, oh God, if we lived closer, would we take that for granted? Because I Mm. do feel like since we've moved home, I do not get to see my sister as much as I thought that I would get to when I moved back home. Like conflicting schedules, work, like just life just does its thing. Yeah, I mean, Whereas you go to visit someone... And you're like, yeah. we're here for a week. It's always like, yeah, it's, soak it up. it's almost easier to have that, that one trip, that one visit. And it's way harder to carve mm-hmm. out consistent time, whether it's, you know, a few times a week, once a week right. to, to like make time for other, it's hard. Jesus Christ. Like look at our July yeah, and I, June. I don't even know like, where July went. Yeah. I mean like who we've barely, we've barely seen people that we usually see regularly mm-hmm. in the past two months. And that's just shit happens, man. Life yeah. gets in the way and that's yeah. what it is. And you know, it's, 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 it's more challenging to make that time. Yeah. It's, it was just an interesting thought that I had. Cause huh. I'm like, God, you know, like it's a bummer. Like we're like, it's once a year thing that we see your family right. and go out to Iowa, yeah. you know, or twice a year. If like there's a East coast visit, then a right. Midwest visit. Um, and, and then I had that realization. I'm like, I really thought that when we moved back, um, I would get to see Allie more and, you know, knowing, knowing how much your sister works too. Mm. Like we work a lot. Your sister works a lot. Like, would we still not really see each other? And then you take it for granted because it is like, oh, we could get in the car anytime and then you don't make it happen. It's, it's just so weird how. And it's so crazy how fluid and slippery time can be. Seriously. Time, this this whole maybe year, like a year ago, like last summer to this summer, like has flown by. And not in like a, 
defeatist dread, like, oh, time, it, it, this is over already. It's just right. like, before you know it, it's like, it's just going by fast. Yeah. So like, you know, if I'm upset about how hot it is, I'm like, don't worry, this will be gone before I even know it. <laughs> such an old man statement. Yeah, it is. <laughs> don't worry, it'll be crisp fall days for my pumpkin spice. I yeah. can't wait. Oh, I'm go. so excited. With the pumpkin spice. I love it. Real quick. Ordinal pancakes. Ordinal pancakes. Do we find that any stereotypes or the thing like that about birth order hold true for either yourself, myself, or the children? Well, I'm going to assert that this is not birth order like stereotypes. This is a very real lived experience, and I wrote a paper about this. Oh. Um, ordinal position is very important, and it plays so much of a role on the stories that we tell ourselves about how life is. Jesus, we wasted a whole talking about Predator and the Burbs. And you're like, <laughs> I have an academic paper I could bring to this discussion. And on top of that, um, when we think about our core wounds, so we've talked about this before, like this is something that's taught at the place that we work, at Yoga Farm. Daniela teaches about this a lot. Um, the The awareness that people have, the fear that they're not doing enough. Number one. Fear that they are going to be separate, ba- abandoned, or alone. Okay. Um, and the fear that they're not good worthy. enough. Yeah. They're unworthy, right? And now, I'm not going to do the thing I did with love languages where make up my own. You can make up your own I'm, wounds. I'm going to treat these with a little bit more reverence. Than oh. If we're dealing about, like, yeah, deal about wounds and trauma, I'm not going to be like, Pah. See, but this is where if our siblings were here, <laughs> both of them would be like, we got some core fucking wounds to talk about could you imagine the core wounds that Allie and colleen would make uh, up my core wound is math if they're listening to this i really hope that they start making up their own Text core me wounds. right now right right it's not the fear of abandonment <laughs> at all yeah. it's the fear of word problems <laughs> specifically <laughs> okay fine we could take anything and make it funny but it's we true you know okay. this is how we just processing that trauma oh, out yeah. through humor okay. it's Sorry. a method <laughs> An ordinal position is really important because how parenting unfolds with the first child compared to the second child, compared to the third child, compared to the fourth, or if there is more, wow, um, is extraordinarily different. And like it or not, we are shaped by the people that are uh, that are raising us and the people that we are surrounded by and who are modeling how to be. And so, you know, I don't, I don't pretend in any way, shape, or form to be an authority on parenting at all. And I will own my own first pancake, second pancake Mm. behaviors, which is like, there was some pressure. Mm. There was extraordinary pressure with the first pancake. And I was concerned about how old Abby was when she was meeting every single benchmark Mm. from teeth to crawling to words to reading like it it was like this strange belief that this human that I get to borrow for a certain part of time is reflecting to the world if I am good enough Mm. or I am not so my core wound of not being good enough immediately Mm. got passed on. Oh, yeah. Immediately. And so what does that child that receives that message do? Tries to be the best. Oh, yeah. Like a a hard worker, and I would say, to a fault only because it may come at the risk of, like, health. Mental health and well-being. Like, like you're stressed out, stressed out, stressed out. I I mean, there's so many parallels. I, I... you know, and it's when you have the first thought of if I could get in a time machine and go do mm. things differently and you can't. And yet maybe you have another child right. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I got to, I got to pump the brakes on this a little bit. And maybe it doesn't matter. And you realize the second one doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> well, that's a whole thing on TikTok too. Is like they don't give a that fuck. second born child doesn't <laughs> give a fuck. <laughs> and that could not be, any more accurate in the ordinal position of our family. I don't think that's true about your sister. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, it's interesting to read about or hear things about ordinal position. And some things, 
I mean, I witnessed with our children, like, oh yeah, this is exactly how this playing uh-huh. out. And but it, it wasn't necessarily always my experience. You know, it's like I mean, I've been saying something. Well, the older child is smarter, right? Tends to be or whatever. Right. I was like, that's. I don't think that's true. Like, especially in school, Colleen did way better in school than I ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, and even as adults now, I wouldn't claim one of us is smarter. You right. know what I mean? Like, I didn't didn't hold that one to be true. She also didn't seem to like not give a shit on the level that the other second children <laughs> don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny. Not in like the reckless kind of like right. rule breaking, mm-hmm. chronic rule breaking kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's well, and some and and there are some studies out there that say that like ordinal position matters a little bit less the further apart mm. that children God, are yeah, in age. You know, like we could look at um, my mother had a baby the day before I turned 16. Right. I mean, again, like we not even barely siblings. Right. So that child in like in as far as ordinal position is concerned is an oldest child because then there was another younger sibling. You know, like that child does not behave like a middle child. There was no middle child experience there at all. Um, you know, so I think that there's a difference in that capacity and yet we can look at just the awareness of parents, hopefully, hopefully, Mm, right? because that's another big part of it is like, are you learning from the pancake scenario or are you like, well, that didn't go as planned. Maybe I need to make some adjustments in this pancake recipe or are you not aware of that? In which case you're not shifting any kind of parenting from first child to second child to third child to whatever. And there is very little difference in the way that they are being interacted with the expectations of them. Maybe pancakes isn't the great, the best uh, analogy because if I'm making pancakes and I have the first pancake and it looks like a first pancake, Mm -hmm. like I then see, okay, um, how do I make this a better pancake? Like how did, like, what did I do that I can improve on to make it better instead of like, that's not the quite lesson you want to learn where it's like, Oh, how could I shape this one to be even better than the other one? You know what I mean? It's like, right. It's a better metaphor for, cause it's more about like, well, it's not be- the first pancake like isn't bad. No, I'm saying like the parents attitude, like if I'm just like, Oh, this pancake here are the adjustments I need to make to make sure that this pancake looks and is a better pancake. Not like, how can I let go of the idea that either of these pancakes is going to be perfect and they're just going to be what they turn out being? Right. Or, you know, one step further than that, can we trust that the pancake is going to be delicious regardless? Mm. This is going to be, this is a pancake. Pancakes are amazing things. This is a pancake. And, I've had a lot of pancakes in my life. I can't imagine being like, oh, this pancake. That's kind of gross. It's a pancake. Like, what are you expecting from the pancake is an important question to have in the the pancake analogy. I need to do a shot every time you say pancake. (laughs) I swear to God, if you say pancake one more time. Say pancake again. I dare you. Well, it's like, what what has been your mantra over the past like few weeks? I don't think it's a new thing i just think you've been vocalizing it much more lately is adjusting expectations right it's like this expectation manage expectations this is a pancake Mm. and how i interact with this pancake am i making sure that the pan is hot enough am i putting it in the right environment for this pancake like if i'm not doing those things Mm. you know that's something to adjust and figure out and it ultimately comes down to not the pancake it is are you rushing the pancake? Mm. Are you trying to make it done before it's ready to be done? Mm. Are you trying to cook it when, you know, it's maybe missing an ingredient? Like, you know, focus up and uh, pay attention to your part in the pancake mm. creation. And so, you know, when we look at lessons of parenting, it's like there is, I mean, God, the difference in my mother's parenting between when I was a child right. and my like youngest youngest siblings holy shit it is like an entirely different human Mm. raised 
my youngest sibling. Absolutely. (laughs) Then, and that's how, honestly, that's how it should be because otherwise we're not learning from Mm. our experiences. We're not learning from the feedback from our children. Like, you know, and I'm sure it's hard. I know that it's hard to be the oldest child and you're an oldest child too and be like, where was this? (laughs) Where was this? Yeah. You know? And to me, it's that same mentality of like, you have to check yourself when you have those thoughts because Mm. it's the same thing as like, well, I suffered through this thing. So everybody else should have to suffer through it too. Like that's super villain shit. (laughs) Like, like I had to, I'd have student loans. Everybody has to have student loans. Like it's a (laughs) stupid line of thought. If your only reason or defense for why something is being done is because, well, that's the way I did it or that's the way it's always been done. Um, I survived it. It um, was fine. Uh, Maybe nobody survives this. Call it out as inherently incorrect. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of what it is. It's like when you have those thoughts of like, well, gosh, we're these siblings didn't know. They didn't know because... I had to deal with the worst part of, you know, mom teaching me how to read or whatever it was. Um, that's that's not true for me, by the way. My mother was really good at teaching me how to read. <laughs> and if that's the story, you got to interrupt it to be like, oh, look, my parent learned something and didn't also do that to my younger sibling. Good yeah. for them. Good, good on them. them. Yeah. Good on them. Now I wish kind of that my that our sisters had some more time together so they could understand how similar they are That's and funny. how cute it is that we we do communicate. Can you imagine that gathering? That would be the driest, most sarcastic, sarcastic, witty, sharpest. Holy shit! Witty. Hangout sesh, whatever. Witness. Super super It'd be witty. Amazing. Yeah. If we were making some Belfast sirens in there. Oh my well. god! Yes, <laughs> I'll put the recipe in the Instagram. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we got back to this. I miss doing this. I know. I missed let's, it too. Let's not have it be four weeks until we do it again. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking we could also have a monthly book writing check-in. Oh, okay. Live. All right. Yeah. Accountability is what Accountability. I asked for. How we doing? Love it. How many pages? Word count. Word count. Word count. All right. All right. Fair. Well, this is Matt. This is Jeannie. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.